Hi everyone, welcome to Doing Good, the podcast. My name is Susanna. And I'm Elijah. This is the podcast in which us and our parents share the stories of the good things that people are doing in our community and the people that make those good things happen. So it's actually mostly our parents just sitting here and we have to wait to talk until they tell us to, but we have some really good insight and we're actually the funny ones. So definitely stay and listen. everybody this is Rebecca Powers or as people mostly know me Becky and uh, we're here for our second episode of um, we're doing good um, the podcast and um, and we're super excited to be here Um, we're recording pretty early on a Wednesday morning Um, and um, and and uh, my good friend Josh is here, and then our teens, Susanna and Elijah, are here again to talk with us. By the Good way, morning. they're touching yes. the microphones, which is so not okay. Yeah, they're getting it comfortable is. with, like, being podcasters <laughs> and digital media celebrities. It's and a so... really nice microphone. I really like it a lot. Yeah. So um, so anyway, yeah, we'll just plug the uh, recording uh, setup here at Market Street Media um, with our executive producer, Leighton Hart. Um, who's taking pictures of us right now. But um, yeah, but it's a lot of fun and we're excited to be here this morning. Are you guys excited to be here this morning? Yeah, it's going to be great. Yes. (laughs) We have two 16-year-old humans awake before 11 a.m. on a summer morning. This is a Parenting win. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so uh, I don't know. Anything exciting or interesting uh, you guys want to talk about this week? Well, I think for, can I jump in first is the fact that the mics would sound, let's just call it a little bit better, but we're all masked up, yeah. which yes. is uh, the yeah. reality as we record this is yeah. that uh, we're, uh, this is, this is life now. And so uh, if you had told me a year ago, I'd be involved in a podcast. I don't know. I would have believed it. If you told me a year ago, I'd have been doing a podcast with a mask on. I never would have believed yeah, it. Yeah, this is true. But we don't want to get anyone sick. We don't. Yeah. Did you see the billboard coming in guys? No, I didn't. The mask up right outside of the building, mask up JC. Yeah. Susanna, you wear masks a lot because of your uh, career in the retail industry. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty used to it at this point. Uh, Pretty used to having the air trapped. I hear the airways trapped. You are actually an enforcer. Oh, yeah. Um, So (laughs) while I work, I like to. As Mr. Josh said, be an enforcer of the mask. <laughs> Someone comes through the line, they're not wearing a mask. I'm extra kind to them, extra sweet as they, as I, you know, scan their items. And then it comes time to hand them their receipt. And I say, thank you for shopping with us. Please wear a mask next time. Ah. That's when the unkind looks start flowing in. But... I really enjoy it. It really adds some spice to my shift. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it does spice it up a little so, bit. So <laughs> somewhat like your mother, you're not unafraid of some honest confrontation when it needs to happen. <laughs> Definitely not. I enjoy it, actually. Yeah. So you're in the grocery store business. I think that for everyone in retail, this is probably a time when they have to make up their mind about this and... And, uh, I don't think the the employees at the stores have any questions about it. I yeah. mean, I think their employers just tell them you've got to wear the mask. Yeah. But I mean, I I would think as an employee, I mean, they're not comfortable. I'm mm-hmm. not sitting here enjoying wearing this mask right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think as an employee, it would be kind of a slap in the face to see people going by all day not wearing a mask while mm -hmm. you're just sort of sitting there victim to everybody else's germs. <laughs> Is that you, Suzanne? I agree. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Just you're not entitled to not wearing a mask, even if you're absolutely sure that you don't have any virus. You know, it's a public courtesy at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Do you have yeah. anything to say about that, Elijah? Well, um, Do you have any feelings about the mask yourself? No. I mean, if I go out in any public place, um, then, yeah, I'm going to be probably wearing one. So yeah. I don't... You're I, masking up. I'm masking up, You're yeah. Masking up. <laughs> so fancy. Exactly. You nice. Know, I think what I, you guys are also, we should disclose... Uh, High school swimmers. Yeah. Yes. So you spend a portion of your day anyway, barely able to breathe. Yes. Yeah, so kind of used to it. In now. the pool. Uh, so uh, that's at least a break from the mask, right? But yeah. you're wearing masks even to swim practice. We're, we're wearing masks to get into the swim practice. Um, and But then naturally once we're in the pool, you can't really swim with one on. So yeah. uh, we have to take them off. Have you noticed there's kind of this mask game? Some people are winning the mask game. Like as we scan the table right now, Dr. Becky, you're winning the mask game. Your mask looks great. Yeah, it's the flowery mask. Floral. It floral says mask, welcome yeah. to summer. Mine looks like I, I, I'm your dental hygienist maybe, you know, <laughs> just very, I bought this on Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, so Susanna, you're very much custom, you know. Have you noticed that some people, their masks are awesome? Oh, yeah. No, I no doubt. And I, I mean, my whole thing with buying masks is uh, when I'm at work, I have to wear a surgical or medical grade mask. But um, when I'm out in public, I'm not wearing that thing. Um, although I will tell you that the um, medical grade ones are a little more breathable. So am I wearing one? Yeah. Well, I think you're wearing yeah. a food grade mask. It's okay. hard to tell. But um, um yeah, anyway, and I'm not any kind of expert on the um, on the medical PPE mm -hmm. um, distinctions. But at any rate, uh, but when I'm going out and in public, I just wear a cloth one. And I have found that the um, – I just bought a bunch of you masks at Old You should see Navy. the stack in our house right now of decorative masks that this woman brought home the it's other day. Well, really. it's not. it's not that it's a fashion <laughs> statement. It's just that if they're going to go to school, they're going to be wearing masks, and they may as well – they're going to lose them and they're going to get dirty. So, you know, we need to have uh, plenty of masks on hand. And I have three girls who will be needing masks. So I just went through and found the cheapest masks, which um, if, from what I have found um, are Old Navy. Yeah. Uh, because you can get five for twelve fifty or something like that. And, um, and and if Old Navy would like to give us an endorsement deal for <laughs> pitching your masks, we'd be happy to take I it. I they have good flip-flops, too. Yeah, well, you know? Old Navy flip-flops are the best. I'm actually wearing a jumpsuit from Old Navy right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm wearing an old navy dress. I'm wearing old navy too. Yeah. <laughs> Are you wearing old navy? Uh, I'm wearing old man. Oh. <laughs> it's sponsorship it's my exclusive brand. Yes, so old navy, call us. Um, but uh, but they do have the best deal on masks, and so I just got a bunch of masks. So hey, you know a place where I watch this? This is called Painful Segway. Oh. Um, a place where they were wearing masks, and it kind of like sh shook me a little bit. Yeah, it was when we went to see Barter at the Moonlight. Yeah, and you were. have those people in the. I don't. I mean, so in the drive-in, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. Right. Mm -hmm. A drive-in movie theater that is now home to the State Theater of Virginia. Correct. And an amazing thing that's happening in in our part of the world. That was is, a excellent segue. 
And you have these folks who are working very much part-time to just Mm -hmm. sort of ushers at the theater who are now ushers at the drive-in in the heat. Right. God love them wearing their masks. Yeah, they were. They were all masked up. We, I, I, I felt like we were outside and we were distanced from anybody who we hadn't spent time with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I personally did not wear my mask then. Mm-hmm. We you did were, not. Uh, you were in a mask to begin with. I was, you? yeah, just because we were talking with the ushers and catching up with our old friends at Barter Theater. Right. Who are now not at Barter Theater because that's inside. Right, but they're at Barter at the Moonlight. At the Moonlight. The Moonlight is Drive-In. This historic drive-in theater. Right. You guys were there and... Uh, Uh, We're about to talk to Katie Brown, the artistic director. So uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was a good play. Um, It did surprise me. uh, Whenever you pulled into the place to go in, they didn't even let you roll down their windows. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was So they had had, um, like cardboard things or like paper things with like different – words and stuff on them mm-hmm. that they had specifically prepared for like any situation they would just flip it to it and yep. so they didn't even have to say anything so yeah. it was strange but well organized yeah yeah no i really did think that they had the process down they clearly thought through thought through the process can you uh tell them what play we saw at butter at the midnight it was the wizard of oz it was a really cool experience it was just like Watching another play at the barter theater all the fun ecstatic actors, you know, and but it was pretty cool. They were just on a stage at the drive-in theater, and everyone just took their cars out there, parked them, put out the chairs, and got to watch in a totally different perspective. Yeah, yeah. these weren't the typical. There, there were a few that are um, native to the barter theater, the actors. The actors, yeah. But a lot of them um, were from other places yeah. around the country. Well, and that's one of the things I want to talk with um, Katie about, too. I hope she doesn't mind if I call her Katie. Yeah, I know. But it's um, <laughs> one of the things that I want to talk to her about is, um, is the di- di- distinction between the usual barter repertory yeah. actors and the um, barter players. Yeah. Which were who put it? Which was uh, the the troupe that was doing the um, Wizard of Oz? Mm-hmm. But I thought that the uh, I thought it was a musical, and I thought that all the singing was really good, and mm-hmm. it was nice because we had taken a boombox, so a, a good old nineteen eighties <laughs> boombox. Oh my gosh, that was the greatest! Yeah, that my middle daughter had actually salvaged from um, the the uh, youth group at our church. <laughs> they are moving out of the, the where they had been. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were cleaning out the youth house a few weeks ago, and Kitty comes home with this 1980s boombox. Oh, but so turned out to be extremely helpful yeah. for Barter at the Moonlight. the audio was on a radio broadcast. Right. Frequency, so you could listen yeah. in. Yeah. And then um, we, uh, so, but I thought the sound was great. And I loved how they projected the actors on the screen behind them on oh, the yeah. big screen. Oh, and yeah. I thought that the setup was, uh, was really cool. But, um, yeah. So, and that's oh. and when you it was a few days later that you looked to me and said we need Katie Brown on doing good the podcast because they have figured out a way to make it work to do the good that they're doing at Barter. Okay. Um, okay. Let's back it up. The next day we went to the lake. It was at the lake, and it was at the lake. Yeah. And you said, and we were talking about the podcast because unfortunately that's all we talk about these right, days. Yeah. But um, they, or fortunately, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see. They uh, and you said, you know who would be great? It was, it was your idea. idea. It, was it was not zero. my idea. So, yeah. To, and and but then because and make sure as we get ready to talk to Katie that I mean I'm coming at this for this purpose because I feel like. They are doing something really great. There. Oh, absolutely. They are making live theater available. And Katie said it. 
on the planet when very few people are getting to see live theater. Yeah. And, and what a gift. And I really love how it's really kind of a triumph story about how they managed to um, create this live theater experience. <laughs> What Our teams together? are sending. Okay, I'm not good. I'm not supposed to talk about what's happening over here. <laughs> They're sending messages to each other on their phones. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, anyway, okay. I think Barter Theater for you guys to hear this. It is a triumph um, of the human spirit to be able to put on a live theater production in the midst of all this pandemic restrictions. And yeah. um, and kudos to you. And I was super excited when Josh suggested Katie Brown. I mean, it was a emphatic yes with about twelve exclamation points after it um so we're super excited to talk to her and um that being said i think we'll just transition over into our talk with katie brown so um keep listening and i hope you enjoy our guest today is uh someone we have admired and loved for years and are so excited to introduce to you in case you don't already know her this is katie brown she is the producing artistic director at barter theater based in abingdon virginia the State Theater of Virginia, which is right now in the midst of the pandemic, doing some of the only professional live theater in the world. And it is such a pleasure to have you with us on Doing Good, the podcast, Katie. Thank you so much for having me, everybody. Um, So, Katie, we um, were very lucky and very happy to be able to see the very first production of, uh, well, no, it wasn't the very first production. I guess it was the weekend after you opened, but of um, The Wizard of Oz, the butter players doing The Wizard of Oz. That's right drive-in and um when you uh were introducing the show at the beginning of the evening you said something that really almost blew the top of my head off you said to us um that we were some of the only people on the entire planet who were watching live theater right then and that was just that floored me and um and so then the next day Josh and our family uh, Josh and I and our families were all together and Josh said you know who we need to have on this podcast and I was like I was like who tell me he goes we need to get Katie Brown with the bar theater <laughs> on the podcast and I said Oh my gosh, ah! yes. And because I am a huge um, musical theater fan, huge, and I love coming to Barter Productions. And it has really been one of the things that I have missed most in this whole mess of the pandemic that we've been dealing with is the ability to sit there and immerse myself in that live theater experience. And I thought to myself, is there a better example of somebody who is doing good than the barter theater right now, actually making it, finding a way in all of this to make it possible. And so I almost jumped off the boat. I was so into the idea of having you on the podcast today. Um, So, um, so I am thrilled that you are here and, um, and that is it. I'm done fangirling now. Um, (laughs) But um, I would love to hear from you. What? Where did the idea of hey, let's move this to the drive-in actually come from? What did that look like for you guys? Sure. So you know, it was middle of March, and or I guess it was early March, and we were looking at um, our, our our numbers roll in and we were so excited about what we'd been able to do. Our ticket sales were all where we wanted them to be. Um, our our um, donations were all where we wanted them to be. We were so excited heading into this year and yet we saw that this pandemic was coming. 
And by the middle of March, it was just really clear it was not going to be safe even for us to rehearse in the same room together. Um, and we closed down just in advance of, you know, being told to. And um, and we had to furlough a good number of our staff, you know, um, uh, 90 out of the 104 people that worked here at the time. It was just oh, wow. a, a horrible m- moment. Um, and um, we started looking for how are we going to be able to move forward? What are we going to be able to do? And we did all the things that you'd expect to begin with. We were measuring our seats. And and I was lucky enough to get to be on the governor's task force to help reopen with at least the phase one and phase two uh, um, guidelines. Mm-hmm. And even looking at those or what we were heading for, for phase three, there was just no way for us to be able to get people into the theater. One, there were so many safety concerns for quick changes and getting people to bathrooms in our small lobby and all of those things. But even if we could figure out how to do it safety safely, being able to social distance only left us a few seats really that we could use even in the big theater, not enough to be able to break even on a show. And so I was just trying to think outside the box. So I started to drive around town just every weekend. I would just get in my car and drive and think, okay, could we have people sit outside? And that didn't quite feel right either. You know, people might get too close to each other or what would, how would our ushers do it? Um, And I just kept thinking about drive-in, 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 drive-in. Could we do it? I went to parking lots. I looked up at the county Mm -hmm. fair. I looked at fields. Quite frankly, I and maybe didn't too much trespassing, looking for a place that we could go. But I really got fixated on this idea of the moonlight. I hadn't been since the year 2000. I went to see a a show there and just thought it was so cool. I've always wanted to see the moonlight come back. And uh, I went up there and, you know, quite frankly, it it maybe wasn't in the best shape. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, maybe this is crazy. But I just thought, if there was a way to combine the wonderful nostalgia of the moonlight with theater in a way that could have people truly be safe inside of their cars. Like you don't even have to get out of your car if you don't want to. Um, And we were looking for something that was phase proof, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that no matter what phase we were in, we could Mm -hmm. make sure that we could keep people um, safe because I'm just not interested in being a part of things spiking. You know, I want to make sure that we can give people a great experience in, um, in a way that complies with, with every guideline you can possibly comply with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, really, thank you. Kudos to you. Yeah. yeah. Katie, I sometimes think this, the backstory is sometimes the best part of the story. <laughs> and uh, the backstory at Barter is in itself amazing. We know it because, you know, here in this part of the world where we are, Northeast Tennessee, Southwest Virginia, the Barter Theater is literally the crown jewel when it comes to the arts community and has been since, what, the 1930s. Mm-hmm. But for our podcast listeners uh, here who are, who want, who maybe who don't know the Barter story, can you share with us about how it began in the idea of a national crisis and the idea that theater is doing good? Can you kind of share that? with our, our listeners today? Absolutely. 
So, you know, it's the Great Depression. It's 1933. Robert Porterfield, who had been from, he was from this area. He was from a family farm in Saltville. Um, he was an actor on Broadway. And 1933, he and his, and his friends on Broadway are not making any money. And he said, guys, I know of an old um, opera house that is empty right now down in Abingdon, Virginia. If you can get down there with me, we might not make a lot of money, but if we set up the trading theater, literally bartering theater, um, maybe there's some farmers down there who have extra produce that they can't sell. So they came down and for the uh, 35 cents or the equivalent in produce, you could see a play and people would trade. The first thing that ever got traded was a baby pig. Uh, we've had, we had rattlesnakes. People would milk, you know, milk their cows out front and slide the milk under the under the ticket counter. And the first, the first summer they made less than five bucks, but there was a collective weight gain of over 300 pounds. Wow. And they decided that this was a, 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 a great way to move forward. And, you know, even though we still, we work on money now, we still do bartering nights um, several times a year and give the food to, um, to local food shelters. Um, this was a way that anybody is one of the most egalitarian beginnings of any theater anywhere everyone could share theater during the hardest time in America. And that idea is what we have held close to us this entire time. We are built for hard times and we are built to be giving during hard times. And how can we honor that as an institution? Yeah, that's amazing. That's such a cool story. I didn't know it. Mm. So thanks for... Well, I learned it when I was like in the sixth grade and went to see my first barter show there, you know, and, and, you know, commonplace is what you've known all your life, which is the barter for me. But then I take friends there or I'll hear people that like come to the area and go there, or you go to a barter show and you hear people who are from all over the world who are there and you realize mm -hmm. that this backyard treasure for us is world class theater. It is excellence, par excellence. You have actors and performers who could be anywhere in the world performing and, and they're there. I Absolutely. imagine when the pandemic was setting in and you're driving around trespassing <laughs> <laughs> that, that a lot of people, and maybe you just was, were, uh, I mean, depression, uh, you know, dealing with just the negativity that was all around. And then here you're built to give the gift of theater and everyone is saying, no, stay home. What was that like emotionally for you all to be trying to do good and being told you can't? Well, I think we were so aware that we didn't want to put anybody's safety at risk. So certainly at no time did I feel, you know, angry or upset that we were being told not to. I, I, I just, um, I think there was a, a, there definitely was a desperation at times of, you know, we would build a calendar of, okay, well, when the pandemic's over in June, you know, just crazy thoughts that you have early on, you know, where you think, well, oh, I, I have a stack on my desk, you know, a very deep stack of uh, calendars that I built in March and April of when we would be back in the theater this year. Oh, we'll do these shows. Oh, we'll do these shows. Oh, we'll do the, and then, that would just crumble and crumble and crumble. And that's when we really had to shift gears and say, okay, we really have to think about this completely differently. Yeah. Um, how can we do drive-in and how can it work when cars have to be really far away from each other? Like we're only parking at half capacity out at the moonlight. Mm -hmm. And so the people are going to be tiny. 
So how are we going to do that? So pretty quickly it became about us learning how to produce a radio play that comes into your car and, um, you know, a live, almost a, a, a live movie experience. So we've got a live team of, um, of, uh, uh, a video team that's out there and we're shifting between all of those. So you get all of these different experiences that desperation, uh, I guess as it often does. And as it, as I think it did for Robert Porterfield turns to creative problem solving. And that I think gave us all an outlet mm-hmm. to begin to figure out how we could do good. Yeah. And that's great that you didn't feel mad because I really did sort of feel bitter and angry when I realized I was not going to get to see nine to five this summer. Uh, (laughs) The barter summer shows are like a mainstay of my summer. You know, it was Shrek and Mamma Mia and all the big shows you guys run in the summer. And I was really jazzed about nine to five. So I was, I was like, what? I can't go see nine to five. We were sad. Thank you for turning those feelings into creative force um we were sad for sure but uh yeah um uh so okay so we've had the experience we took um uh josh and elijah's big red truck and we backed it and we got parking places right next to each other because that's the way our families roll and um we got pizza on the way there and we uh backed elijah's truck in there and all of our kids piled into the back of the truck and then josh and his wife and i and my husband um just got our lawn chairs out and sat there around the truck and we had our 1980 style boom box and we were listening to it and um really it was a um it was a class a performance i mean the 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 music was great the costumes were creative you really sort of felt um the change you know it's a limited troupe of actors who play multiple parts and you really sort of felt the change in the characters um i was thinking about particularly the man who played the carnival um the carnival fortune teller who then also played the and i'm so sorry i i don't know your name but um john charman yeah yeah. Um, and and then he played the wizard, and he was uh, mm-hmm. and he played uh, he was uh, he like was the uncle. Yeah, he, but but he, it was like he was a different person for each one, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was really well orchestrated, and um and and the way the actors managed to convey that there was a dog on stage when there really wasn't a dog on stage, and I I thought it was fantastic performance. And I was really floored by how you guys were able to capture all of those, you know, production nuances when you're literally like a long way away from the stage. I mean, we were out there um, parked and we had to have been a football field away from that stage. And yet you still felt that and you still got all of that um, during the performance. So, um, okay, I'm fangirling again. So (laughs) I'm going to quit talking. Well, Well, it was that hard to pull off. I think I'm with. Becky, it was amazing what you were able to do. Well, it was interesting. You know, we were about, we were going to do Wizard of Oz this summer at the theater. Um, and, uh, and it would have had, you know, a live dog, flying people, explosions, a million costume changes, um, probably three times the number of actors, all the belt. It's, it's one of our really big technical mm-hmm. wizardry shows, you know, mm-hmm. um, with just, it, just all the big bells and whistles. And when we needed to change this, 
we changed it, um, you know, one for safety, the actors, we had to get a small core of actors and we worked with our medical advisory board and they felt really strongly that instead of trying to keep them separate on stage, the amount that you would need to, that instead we should make what we've called a quarantine of people that all live together in the Barter Inn. So they took two weeks where they isolated in their own rooms. They were tested for COVID, all of those things. And then they were able to come together. And as um, Dr. Mormon, who is on our medical advisory board, he's on at ETSU on their um, infectious disease department. He says, you can't catch it from people that don't have it. So if you all live together, if you all function as a household, um, then that also cleared, you know, Governor Northam's office work with us, like all of that cleared in the way that we needed it to, so they can actually do a play, but it has to be a very limited number of people and in a very limited, um, you know, they, they don't even get to go to the grocery store, you know, they have to have everything either delivered or picked up, but they're under very strict quarantine guidelines so that nothing can enter their little bubble. Um, and that meant, you know, you can't have dressers who change their costumes all the time. You can't have, you know, uh, a dog and a dog owner there just off stage. You can't have all those things. But what theater and particularly the barter players um, who do our shows that specialize for, you know, kids and families, their their style specializes in we change. We are going to use your imagination. So. They change all of their own costumes. They do everything right in front of you, which is really, what I think, what theater does best. Film does bells and whistles best, and theater does how do, how do I show you right in front of God and everybody that I'm going to change this piece about me and change my voice and my posture and all these things that I can transform in, in, in that way. So I think it's really an exciting, exciting thing. And like we were saying earlier, you know, uh, uh, the mother of invention in a lot of ways is the the stipulations that we had to work under to make sure we were safe. Yeah, that's brilliant that um, you guys all, you moved them into the same house because I sort of have had that same sort of thing. We have uh, what our families have been basically um, quarantining together yeah. since about mid-May. And it's like, okay, we don't have it. So we're just going to hang out together. <laughs> I think our kids are probably getting tired of each other, but, um, but we've been, you'll hear from them in a you minute. Know, that, that really, that was, um, that, that's a stroke of brilliance. And I hope if there's any other theater for, um, you know, theater people who are listening, like this is, this is smart stuff. This is how you do it. And I, do it nationwide. I think this is the playbook for how we get some normal back in our world, some, some, some creative normal back in our world. So yeah, blown Katie, away. You know, one thing that strikes me as you're talking about this and I think about it, you, you, your job is the artistic director. And I want to get into the fact that that is a new job for you. Uh, yes. and, and we're so excited that you are in that role, uh, brand new, but you doing good. And that's the focus of, of what we love to talk about on this show you had a community of people who, who you came out on the stage at the very part, for, for the very beginning, you said we're, you're among the few in the world and you also thank some people. And I thought to myself, you guys are doing good on that stage, sharing theater with people who are desperate and hungry for it. But you got there because you had a community of, of sponsors and some people who came along you and inside you and said, let's turn this rundown drive in into a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. You know, how has, how have you seen a community who can't act themselves out of a bucket 
learn to do good and help you all do your good. You, you see where I'm going with that? That, that yes. part of doing good is learning to support others in their mission. Mm -hmm. This was maybe the most astounding piece of all of this was how the community and community leaders really, the other day I got up in the morning and I just made a list of the people who said yes. I mean, really, it has been staggering the amount of people that had to say yes and participate. There's no way that we could have done this without the support. And let, let me please talk about these incredible people. Like for, first, Patty Combs, who owns the Moonlight. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she had to say yes to us leasing this space and cleaning it up and, and doing all kinds of things to it. We built a stage out there in front of the screen, all of those things. The fact that she said yes. Um, Steve Smith in Food City, he came out with me to look at the grounds and, um, and, and, and he said, you know, that he and his wife had courted there when they were younger and, you know, maybe there'd be a possibility. And he ended up actually the Food City ended up leasing the property for us for this time. Um, J.A. Street and Associates, oh my gosh, this company, they, they and a whole lot of other companies that they work with came out helped us fix up things that we would have had no idea how to fix up out there. It's a, you know, it's a 1949 um, uh, operation out there. And there were a lot of things that were literally falling down. Um, one of the neighbors above it said it looked like Chernobyl <laughs> before we got hold of it. Um, and it was, it was really in rough shape. And what was able to happen? Yes, we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in, but J Street Associates and all of the people that work with them, Acorn Electric, all these different people were incredible. Mead Tractor, uh, you know, they helped in so many ways. We had, a, and just a ton of sponsors that stuck with us when, you know, we're, we were, we're hardly producing anything. The individuals who came out and who have not only supported us monetarily, but came out and helped us, you know, paint the poles and, and mow the grass. And it has just been a festival of yes. And people, um, you know, even some of our furloughed employees who would come out and volunteer, really, I just, and then to drive out there on a Saturday night and see that field full of cars, full of yes, full of people that said, I'm going to come out and try this crazy thing. What is drive-in theater? Each one of you guys that did that, it really... It's been one of the most moving things in my entire life to just watch all of the yes during this really hard time. Yeah, that's amazing. And that is the title of the episode is a festival of yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> yes, that is, that that's poetry it. right there. It's almost like you're made for the stage, yes, Katie. executive <laughs> title of episode. Can I tell you how thrilled I was when you were named artistic director? Because you have been a force at Barter for years, and you stepped into a role that has only been inhabited by these force of nature, huge personality men, you know? And then here comes Katie Brown and you step out there uh, for you. I can tell this is not just about making money and selling seats. This is about the idea and the vision of the gift of theater and how that does good in lives. Uh, and then, and then you, you're what have maybe have moved into your office as producing artistic director and the pandemic hits. So right. how are you in this new role and this historic role that you're in at this time? It's, it's wild. Um, yeah, I, I, I took on the job in late October and, um, and really was sort of a, a officially on, on my own doing it in January. 
and just a, f- a few months in for this to happen. And uh, on one hand, this is so incredibly, uh, you know, a challenging and all of those things. But in some ways, it feels like everyone is new at it now because there's no way to do it. And it's been uh, maybe the silver lining on the dark cloud is I feel like we're all beginners together right now. And in some ways that has helped me to be a little more bold um, because uh, none of us know exactly how to handle a pandemic. None of us have done it before. And so the solutions that we're going to have to have are going to be uh, just being as creative as any of us can be as human beings. Uh, I think that the barter and you are going to have a place in history for how you brought out some theater for us during this time. Um, I would love to hear what, um, I, in your words, um, about why theater is doing good. You know, I think a lot of people think I'm just going to go buy a ticket and sit down and be entertained for a little while. But I, I, I think there's a deeper, there, there's more to it than that. And I'd love to hear in your words, why, um, why theater is doing good and why we need theater. Absolutely. You know, um, I'll just tell a, a really quick story. When I was graduating from, from college and, um, you know, I was at a big catacall audition and I was going and doing my monologue and doing all the things you do for hundreds of theater companies. And I met a man named John Hardy, who was the associate artistic director at this place I'd never heard of called Barter Theater. And talking with him was so different than talking to any other company because he said that theater is about serving other people. It's about connecting with the empathy of other people and a allowing them to connect with people that are different than they are, whether it's the people sitting next to them in the seats or the, the characters that they see on stage that can walk around inside of their skin. And you can actually read amazing scientific articles about how somebody having seen a play months later, their empathy is higher than it is for the control group that hasn't, you know, what it is to truly have to live inside of somebody else in that way. And it just, um, his conversation with me about that changed my life because, you know, I'm kind of a Peace Corps kind of person. I wanted to go and, and do good with my life, but I also loved theater and it felt like this all about you under the spotlight thing. And I was having a hard time reconciling those two things. And I felt like um, the approach at Barter Theater allowed me to do both of those things. Mm-hmm. That This is about reaching that kid on the back row or reminding that person who's been working in a cubicle for too long what's special about them and special about other people. And it's what I try to remind every cast that I work with of, like who's that person that we're trying to reach and open their life up just a little bit and um, help them see something that they hadn't seen before. I think it's so important in that way. And I think in my new position, I'm also very aware about the economic gift that it is to this region as well. Mm-hmm. We usually on a non-pandemic year bring over 145,000 people through this town of 8,000. And what that means to restaurants and to hotels and to businesses, what that means for them and their families. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so aware of it as a service because if it's not a service, it's, it's not anything. Mm-hmm. That feels so, so important to me. It was part of the reason we made the choices we made. Yeah. 
So Katie, cool. you're getting ready to launch a new show. And depending on when you listen to this podcast, maybe that show is already on the uh, on the stage. But tell us about Beauty and the Beast Jr. Absolutely. So we're finishing up Wizard of Oz. We will finish it up on August 8th. And then um, on August 13th, we will open Beauty and the Beast. Um, uh, and uh, Disney was kind enough to give us the rights to do a shortened version. So that's why Wizard of Oz, Beauty and the Beast, everything that we do out there, um, we are trying not to do intermissions. Right. So we don't have a pile up um, for, for restrooms at intermission time. So we asked them if we could cut the show down and they said, you're in luck. We already have a cut version. It's just called Junior. Uh -huh. uh, but it's the same, same show everybody knows and loves. Um, but it's just, it's, um, it's less than 90 minutes. So you don't have to take an intermission break, which we're doing for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that through August 29th. And then this Saturday at the show, we're going to announce our very next show that we're going to do. So we have another show coming up after Beauty and the Beast. And then, um, and then we'll, you know, we're just taking it show to show, seeing how things progress with the pandemic, seeing how things progress with kids going back to school, all those kind of things. Um, but we hope to just keep announcing shows uh, through the, you know, through the end of the year as much as we can, because we know that this is something that people need. People need to be able to come out and sing loud in their cars and, you know, and, and, uh, and hold hands and have some honest to goodness fun. Okay. So I am super jazzed about the next show after Beauty and the Beast Jr. So for people who may be listening to the podcast, Katie, where can they find out on Saturday? Um, and, uh, and what time will the announcement be made about what the next show is and when yes. you can get Won't tickets? Will this be airing after Saturday? There you go. Oh, it will. Well, yeah. shoot fire. All right. Where can we find that? Sure. You, uh, by the time this, this airs, well, Saturday night, well, We'll announce it at the curtain speech um, uh, at the show, but we'll also put it on Facebook. So you can just look on Facebook or by the time you hear this podcast, you can go on the website and you'll see what the next show is. It's very exciting. Oh, super excited. Say your website that. for us, for our listeners who, who want to find you, who want to learn more. It's bartertheater.com, right? That's right. Bartertheater.com. Visit us there. And you are on Facebook and Instagram as Barter Theater, correct? Absolutely. Oh, very fantastic. Okay, so I, as anything else, I think our time you know, is over. Katie, you're about to talk to two teens who have been coming to Barter Theater since they were probably too young to come to Barter Theater, and we were shoving lollipops in their mouth. Uh, yeah, I was like, feeding mine m m so I was the crinkly wrappers in the back. Uh, last until intermission. Correct. Uh, so uh, without further ado, uh, we're excited to let you... Uh, hear from our teenagers yeah, and tell them who you are tell her who you are hi hi um do you want to introduce yourself oh first? yeah i'm Susanna. um i'm hi, elijah. Susanna. Um, elijah i'm 16 years old um yeah like they said yeah we, we've both been going to the barter for a really long time so yeah we've always enjoyed it a lot it's very nostalgic for us <laughs> <laughs> i love that okay. um yeah we just wanted to ask um how are uh you doing um and we wanted to say that uh, we really love to play. Um, when was it that we went? Was it? We went on July the 18th. July 18th. Yeah, we went. Uh, we just wanted to say that we we uh, really liked to play. The production was um, top notch. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we try to add a humor aspect to the podcast. <laughs> so um, I want to start off with this question. We heard you talk about the quarantine or all the actors having to quarantine together two weeks before the production are there any funny stories that you could share with us that um came from that two-week period well that two-week period they were isolated even from each other and now they're isolated together 
So during that period, you know, a lot of, not all actors, but a lot of actors are really extroverted and they were just so excited to get to see each other uh, after those two weeks were up. Um, and so we had, um, we had the the morning that they were allowed to actually see each other in the in the barter inn. They uh, they actually sort of put on their schedule um, hugging time. <laughs> so they were all running around in the end getting to see each other. We can't. The rest of us still can't get very close to them. So we wave from far far away. But I think they have really become a a, a really big a happy family uh, in the barter inn together. And um, I, I think it's been a. That I know they had uh, a really fun opening night party for uh, the Wizard of Oz, maybe the only opening night party in the country because they could actually get yeah. close to each other. And they said, you know, no one else is living in the inn, so we could play our music loud. Anyway, I think they're having a great time. That's really fun. That almost sounds like a reality show that they could have be going that they could have going on inside. Yes. And in fact, Terrence Jackson, who plays the lion, um, is doing our inside barter series. And so every week he's putting out another video about kind of what it's like inside of the quarantine. Oh, Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, They were really, I'm uh, sure that's hilarious. They were very fun to watch. Yeah. Great personalities. Um, yeah. Where was I? (laughs) Um, I was wondering, uh, did these, uh, actors volunteer or did you kind of recruit them? Um, they were all either members of our current barter player company or alumni of the the barter players. So I called them. I knew what kind of style work we needed to do. We knew that we really wanted to focus on kids and families. We had heard so many people saying that that was something that they just didn't have enough things to do with their kids. And so we specifically set out um, to do shows for kids um, at, at a certain point. And so I called them up and I said, hey, this is a big ask. You know, uh, this is a a job that I think that you would be wonderful at, but it means, you know, you're going to have to isolate for two weeks. You're going to have to be quarantined with other people and you really can't see anybody else from closer than 10 feet for months at a time. You'd have to commit for the whole time. Like there's all of these things. And, you know, we all got together on Zoom to talk about here are the rules that we were, were they were willing to sign on for, you know, would you be willing to not go eat at a restaurant the whole time, you know, all these things. And they, um, they came up with some of the rules together and we ran them all past the medical advisory board. I just, I understood what a big ask this was. So I asked, you know, a lot of the actors that I know and trust the very most on the planet. Um, and so many of them were able to say yes. And, um, and came to do this, this, uh, this amazing thing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, it, it was, it was definitely a big ask and I was very grateful. They said, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There was this, so there, there was this time, you know, in between, uh, when the pandemic hit and, uh, your first productions, um, that I imagine, you know, there was, there was no business. And so I can imagine that would only, um, hurt the bar to theater financially, you know, that it couldn't be easy. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, how the barter theater is doing now now that the production has started back up? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, because usually we are running five shows at a time right now, as opposed to just one at a, at a drive-in. through a drive So we are, um, 
you know, a barter still, um, I would, you know, most of our employees are still on furlough. We are still looking for creative ways forward. And we are aware really the moonlight is much more about us breaking even and making sure that we can serve our purpose and also serve the community, make sure that those restaurants have people coming to them and, and things like that. So we are, um, we are aware that, you know, there are still, there's still lots of difficulties ahead and we're going to be very, very dependent on a grant and the support of, of people to help us like every theater in the country is experiencing right now. But this has kept us on the map and, and given us a little bit of a boost to get us to the next stage. So um, we, we are, we are hanging in there and working hard on our, on our next steps, but it's, um, it's definitely for all performing arts that depend on gathering people. It's going to be a challenge moving forward for everybody. So we'll all have to work together to make sure that we can be here to serve in the future. Um, so as far as doing good, what can teens be doing with the Barter Theater right now? Ooh, what a great question. Okay. Um, so true story. Um, uh, we, we have our, our ushers who, um, who are helping out at the moonlight and a lot of, um, a lot of the ushers at, at, at um, barter usually happen to be retirees and some of them, you know, are in danger zones for the pandemic and haven't been able to come out and, and help usher. We do have a lot of great ushers who are out there helping us, but, um, we have had an, a new usher, uh, Brenna Williams. She just graduated from um, from college, and she has been out there every night. She, in fact, she just got a, a, a job with us on the maintenance uh, team. But she was out there every night, sprinting between the cars, helping everybody, having somebody out there who is willing to um, to safely social distance and help those cars get into their spots and that kind of thing. If anybody wants to be a volunteer usher, reach out to us at Barter Theater. Um, because having some young people that would be excited to do that would be incredible. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about kind of, you know, learning from all of what's happening right now. And I just uh, was wondering, uh, what do you think that you've learned um, having to go through all the things you've had to do with the changes and stuff recently? Wow. Yeah. Um, I've learned so, I've learned so much, uh, learned, I've learned more in the last six months than I have ever learned at any time in my entire life. Um, I think, uh, to take it one step at a time, I have learned to ask even when it seems crazy. I have, um, learned that we are I think I always knew this on some way, but I, on such a deeper level than I ever expected that we are so much more creative and strong together than we are separately. Um, and I have learned what incredible people uh, work here at Barter and in this area, um, that they are so, um, so resilient and, and giving. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I think we're probably going to have to wrap up, but it's just, uh, uh, again, yeah, it's, it's great to hear from you. We love the production. Thank you so much. It was for super your time. great. Yeah. Just thank you so much. You guys are doing it's everyone's really it's enjoying amazing. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you. you.
Katie Brown, uh, we adore you. I, I've been writing notes down while you've been talking, and uh, I'm walking away with a festival of yes, as we do good. And uh, even when it seems crazy, which was one you gave us right there at the end, I think as people are thinking about doing good, uh, embracing life as a festival of yes, and saying, let's do it even when it seems crazy. Uh, and we just root you on at Bar of Theater and your team. And thank you for the sacrifice you're making, the can-do spirit. You're, you're, Robert Porterfield would be so proud of you, I think, <laughs> and all of you. So thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. And I just want to send a message out there to anybody who may be listening. Um, you know, it is well worth your time and effort to go and support this production and Beauty and the Beast Jr. coming up. And I want... That I want it to be hard for me to get tickets for the next production. I, I, I just want people to come out because I love how, how the teens asked you about the economic impact. And I love what you said was these productions are not about, um, about the barter making money. You guys are barely breaking even on this, but you're, you're doing this to try to help the community along um, and to try to keep businesses afloat and try to keep, um, Oh, it, that's just, that's powerful. And, um, and I hope that I, again, I hope that I have to struggle to get tickets for the next production because so many people are uh, want to come out and support what you guys are doing to support all of us. So thank you. It has been just an honor to talk to you. If you ever need a fangirl, please just call me. <laughs> I am the biggest musical theater geek in the world. And I so appreciate what you guys do. And, um, and thank you. And I'm not going to say anything else because I'm sure I've embarrassed myself enough. Thanks, so. Katie Brown. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all so much. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening to Doing Good, the podcast. And you can find us if you'd like to hear more at our website at we'redoinggood.com or on Facebook or Instagram at We're Doing Good. So please like our pages and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We all have something that we can be doing. So just take the first step. Everybody show some love and do some good. Have a great day.